book of Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse number 17. Great passage of scripture. I love the book of Colossians within itself. Book of Colossians is a great book if you want something to study on uh, who we are in Christ. This is a pretty good book to study. And uh, let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse number 17. The Bible says, and whatsoever ye do, if you know it, read it with me. It's behind me. Everybody, let's read this one together. This is an easy one. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all. Turn to your neighbor and say, do it all. In the name of Jesus. You said that too weak. Turn to the other person. Maybe that person intimidated you. Turn to the other person you're sitting by. And with a little bit more conviction, do it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want you to lift your hands one more time all across this house. And let's call upon the name of the Lord. Come on. Come on, lift your voices, lift your voices. I love you, Jesus. Move on the hearts and the mind of every man, every woman that's under the sound of my voice. I pray right now that you would anoint me as your vessel and that you would use me for your glory, God. Lord, I speak faith right now and I pray that you would do a mighty work in every life that is represented in this house. Let there be a revelation of the name of Jesus that sweeps into this place, God. Because if we get the revelation of your name, God, we have all authority, we have all power to do whatever it is that we need to do in your kingdom. Let your kingdom be released. Let your name be released. Oh, come on, somebody just begin to say, in the name of Jesus. Say it with some conviction in the name of Jesus. Praise God. You feel that? (laughs) Say it one more time. In the name of Jesus. Now we're going to talk about this tonight. What really happens when you say Jesus? We say it and we believe it. But I want to know what really happens when we proclaim the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I believe firmly that we should do everything in the name of Jesus. That's what the book says. I like to start my day in the name of Jesus. I do my best. Sometimes I fail at this, but I do my best that some of the first words out of my mouth is, I love you, Jesus. Because I want him to get the fruit of my lips that day, and I want the first things that my lips say is is to be his name. When my feet hit the ground, I want my feet to hit the ground in the name of Jesus. I want my day to start with the stamp of approval that can only come from Jesus. I firmly believe that if you start your day in prayer, you're going to have a much better day than you do if you don't start your day in prayer. You know, you don't always have to go into the deep wells of intercession in the morning. But sometimes in the mornings, it's good to just talk to Jesus. You know, Jesus cares about everything, even the little things in your life that you seem as insignificant that you would think is insignificant to him, that Jesus finds even the insignificant things in our life to be important. He said, cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. If you were here a few nights ago, you know what that ETH means. It means a continual thing. As humans, we only have X amount of emotions per day. Is this all right? 
Imagine you were given a $100 bill and you spend 25 here and 25 there. You've only got $50 left. And then you spend another 25, you've only got $25 left. And you spend that final 25, you don't have anything left to give. Believe it or not, that is how our human emotions are in our lives. You only have X amount that you can really give in a day. But when you start your day with casting your cares and the things that are going to consume your worry and the things that are going to cause you anxiety and stress throughout the day, you give them to a God that can care far beyond your nor I ability to care. I believe in giving Jesus everything in my life. And I tell you what, he cares about the little things. I believe he answers the big things, and I've seen him do it. But I've also seen him answer the little things in my life. I've gone to him with the little insignificant things. Like uh, a few months ago, my wife and I were traveling, and we landed uh, in the Atlanta airport at 9.30, and our flight, or I'm sorry, we landed at 9.35, and our next flight began boarding at 9.30. You do the math. We're negative there. Am I right, math teacher? We're five minutes in the hole, right? All right. And I remember looking at my flight saying, why did I book this on my way to the airport? And I'm sitting there wondering what in the world, how are we going to make this connection? I said, all right, baby doll, let's pray for just a minute. My wife and I prayed about something as small and insignificant as a connection that we weren't going to be able to make, but we needed to get there in time so that we could preach the gospel in that service that night. And I tell you what, our God cares about us enough that this was my specific prayer. Lord, if you'll just delay that flight for 20 minutes, we can make this flight and so can our bags. And would you know it that when we got to the gate that we were supposed to be departing out of, for no mechanical reason, for no reason of any, they just decided to delay our flight 20 minutes. That's a small thing. But to God, even the small things are important. And that's why we should do everything in the name of Jesus. You need to pray for the sick in the name of Jesus. You need to pray for your food in the name of Jesus. You need to pray for your job in the name of Jesus. You need to pray for your family in the name of Jesus. You need to pray for your mind in the name of Jesus. You need everything you do in word or in deed. Do it all. Do it all. Because when you speak the name of Jesus, you speak the name that is above every other name. You speak the name, and when you speak that name, mountains move, demons flee, things tremble. It's all in the powerful, matchless name of Jesus. Anybody love Jesus here tonight? If I could sing, I'd sing, there's something about the name Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. There's nothing quite like the power and the revelation that comes with the name of Jesus Christ. And you see, as you begin to do a study throughout Scripture, you'll see that there is thing in the Old Testament called a signet ring or a seal. And the Bible goes into certain stories and it begins to go into details on what the signet ring and the seal is. If you look when Daniel was placed into the lion's den, you will see that as Daniel was placed into the den of lions, that the king, the Bible says, took his seal and he sealed that tomb with the king's ring. Now, Webster's Dictionary defines a signet as a seal used in signing the name or as a signature. It is an ancient practice. The signet ring was also known as a seal. It was used universally in the ancient world. It was a portable instrument that you and I would kind of use as a signature, like when you're given the receipt, when you swipe your credit card, and it says that this person authorizes this amount to be charged, and you sign 
your name. That's what it was back then. But in that day, it was an even greater emblem of authority. It was on these ancient documents that you would see that a king, he would cover the bottom of the parchment or the paper with wax and he would take his signet ring or his seal and he would drive it into that wax and when they would read the paper, when they would read what was written, at the bottom of it they knew that there was an authority behind that which was written because the name of the king or the seal of the king was upon the document and they knew that when they were reading let's say if it was a declaration of war or it was a a declaration of a of a uh, purchasing of property or it was a declaration of marriage whatever it was when they would see the name on the bottom of the page they knew the authority that came with the name because the name represented the king and the kingdom that the name represented and so if you had a king the king had a name and the name was the seal and when you saw the seal the name of the king you would also see the king and his kingdom and when you would see his kingdom you would see everything that the kingdom had in its arsenal you see in Genesis 41 and 41 and Pharaoh said unto Joseph see I have set thee over all the land of Egypt and Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and he put it upon Joseph's hand and he arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and he put a gold chain about his neck when you read this you have to understand that although Joseph surely enjoyed the new clothes as a prisoner and he enjoyed everything that he was given. He had no authority in the kingdom until he was given the name of the king that he represented. Without the seal, without the name, he had no authority. And as you continue into the study of, uh, of the ancient uh, seals and signets that would take place, uh, you would see that if one king defeated another kingdom, that the defeated kingdom would have to take on the name of the victorious king. And so let's just, uh, for the sake uh, of an example here, let's say that Syria overcame Israel, Israel would now have to take on the name or, or the seal of Syria. You see this in Jesus' example. Render what to Caesar that which is Caesar's. He saw the name of Caesar on the coin and he said this is Caesar's domain but render to God which belongs to God. And so you see through history and through the Bible that when you would see the name of a king or you would see the name of a kingdom and you would see when kingdoms would overcome another kingdom that when the victorious kingdom would take rule that over that uh, defeated kingdom they would all identify by the name of the victorious king. Elot Mazar, a Jewish archaeologist, writes in saying this, that the seal of a king was so important. It could have been a matter of life or death. So it's hard to believe that anyone else had the permission to use this seal. And so we go back to the example that is given of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 17 it says, and a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. So Daniel was a Jew. Daniel was a child of Old Testament covenant. As you look into the life of Daniel, you will see that Daniel abstained from certain foods. Daniel upheld the Jewish times of prayer. And so we know through the study about Daniel that Daniel was a child of Old Testament. 
Testament covenant. Now, we understand that Old Testament covenant was circumcision of the flesh that was given to Abraham. But the Apostle Paul now tells for you and I that we don't go through circumcision of the flesh to enter into covenant. You and I now go through circumcision of the heart. And what he was alluding to when he said that is the only way for me and you to get into covenant with this king and with this kingdom is that you are baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's how you get into covenant. And so you see that Daniel is an Old Testament covenant child. Daniel already had the name. Now the name of Jesus was not given in the day of Daniel. But they knew him as Yahweh the living God. Or they knew him as Elohim the almighty God. Or they knew him as Jehovah Jireh my provider. They knew him as Jehovah Nisi Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Raha. They knew him as all of these things. And Daniel was a testament of the old covenant. Daniel was a child that already had a name of a king upon his life. Daniel was a child of the Most High God. And although he was not sealed with the given name of Jesus because it was not yet given, he already had a name upon his life. And he already had a king that he was serving. And so when Daniel was placed into that den and Darius took his name and he sealed it over Daniel's life. What really Darius did that day was he engaged himself into a war and he had no idea. But this was not a war in the natural. It was a war in the supernatural because when you are a covenant child of God and people or things or principalities or things in the world try to impose their strength upon your life. Friends, that's where we got to hold fast under the scripture that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You've got to understand that when you are a child of the Most High God and the name of God is upon your life, you might have to enter into the den, but you've got the name that is above every other name. You've got the name that is the king that is above every other king oh come on somebody ought to shout if you're thankful for the name of God right now oh the name that is above every other name and I love this because as you begin to look about old Darius you see he engaged in a war Woo. And Darius, the Bible says that sleep was gone from him that night. Uh, he couldn't rest that night. He couldn't find, a, anybody ever try to sleep and it's just like you just can't find that sweet spot? You know what I mean? And you're just up all, she's giving me a nod like she gets it. <laughs> I'm with you, sister. I'm telling you, Darius, the sleep was gone from him. And the Bible says at the breaking of the day, Darius came running back to that tomb. And he said, hollering down, hey, Daniel, are you alive in there? And Daniel, without fear, trepidation, or worry, says, oh, yeah, I'm alive down here. Let me tell you something. My God sent an angel, and he said, at the mouth of the lions. Now remember, when one king takes victory over another kingdom, they have to take the name of the victorious kingdom. And after Daniel come up out of that tomb, can I preach to you what Darius said? Of every dominion of my kingdom, everywhere of which I am the king and the ruler over, you now have to serve the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. He is the king that is above every king. Can I preach to you tonight? If you're baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you might enter into a trial. You might step into a struggle. But if you've got the name that is above every other name, victory's already on your side. You've got victory in your finishing. You've got victory going for you. I feel victory in this house. Be ye not weary in well-doing. 
you shall reap if you faint not as long as you keep on keeping on there's a name I love, now listen, we like to say this and it's right. I've read the back of the book and we win. Well, I've read it from start to finish and anywhere God was in it, I've never seen a child of the most high God lose. If God is in it, there is no loss. If God is a part of it, there is no defeat. He's never seen a giant he couldn't knock down. He's never seen a sea he couldn't part. He's never seen a king he couldn't dethrone. He's never seen a disease he couldn't heal. My there's no God like my God there's no God like your God there's no king like our king there's no savior like my savior there's no healer like my healer you ought to shout if you know who he is Why should this excite us, Zeke? What's the excitement of this moment? 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit, capital S, in our hearts. Now when you read that, it almost appears as though that you are reading multiple gods. But in fact, you are not. Because John chapter 4 and verse number 24 says, God is a Spirit capital S. That spirit has come to man in many different ways and many different dispensations at many different times. He was the father in creation. He was the son in redemption. And now he is the Holy Ghost or the comforter in the day that you and I are living in. But friends, there's one spirit. There's not three. There is one. And these three are one. For there is one that bears record in heaven for at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord and at the mention of his name come on somebody there's nothing like the name of Jesus these three are one there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God, Father of all in you all and through you all what's his name? what's his name? there's nothing like the name of Jesus because when you speak the name of Jesus, you encapsulate the fullness of God. Because in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. <laughs> Emmanuel, God with us. That's who Jesus was. He was God that robed himself in flesh. He was God incognito. Stepped down into the flesh of humanity. Walked among us for some 33 years. 34 years. And then they stretched him far. And they stretched him wide. And they pierced him in his side. But you can't defeat a living God. You might defeat the flesh or the temple that he dwelt in. But three days later, he rose up again. And the Bible says that same spirit which quickened him will also quicken your mortal bodies. And so I say, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? I've come today to tell you there's nothing like the name. You see the beautiful typology. Now listen, the Old Testament is very foundational for the New Testament. And if you really look in the Old Testament, you see the weaving of Jesus all the way through. And you look in the Old Testament and you see that Pharaoh and Joseph, as we've already discussed here, Pharaoh raises a man up out of the prison of his demise. Now you've got to see yourself as Joseph here. Because you and I are the Joseph in this story. Joseph was in a prison of which he should have, could have, would have died. He was in the prison. The prison was his past, his present, and it should have been his future. 
Can anybody preach about the prison that you used to be held in? The prison looked like different things for many different folks. For some of us, the prison was addiction. For some of us, the prison was was fornication. For some of us, the prison was just we didn't know who Jesus was. For some of us, the prison was all these different things. But thanks be to God that the king pulled you up out of that prison one day. You've got to see yourself in Joseph. I was in chains, bound by sin. I was nothing and a nobody until one day a preacher of righteousness said you must be born again of water and of spirit and that prison door can't hold you. I said the prison of sin, the prison of shame, the prison of guilt. When the king calls you up, that prison cannot hold you. And when he pulls you up out of that prison, he gives you a new look. There's something different about Joseph now. He's not wearing the same beggarly rags that he used to always wear. He's walking different now. He's fed a little different now. He's got a little different smile about him now. And I know that Joseph enjoyed everything that he was given. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that Joseph had no authority in Pharaoh's kingdom until Joseph got the name of Pharaoh. You see, Joseph uh, interprets the dream. There's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. Uh, And this is what we have to do. Uh, We have to orchestrate in the seven years of plenty uh, that we put food back and that we set things back until we get to the seven years of famine. Uh, And if we steward the seven years of plenty right, we're going to have enough for the seven years of famine to get us through. You got to see it. Uh, And so Joseph uh, had this dream and this idea but Joseph has no authority uh, to speak in this kingdom uh, until Joseph uh, has a name upon his life Uh, and so as Pharaoh takes off his ring uh, really what he was doing is uh, was he was taking the name of Pharaoh uh, and he was applying it to Joseph uh, and when Joseph takes the name of Pharaoh uh, and he puts it upon his life uh, he stands uh, before the people in that kingdom and he says you're going to take the grain and you're going to put it in that storehouse and when they saw Joseph they did not see a man that was without authority but when they saw Joseph they saw the name of Pharaoh upon Joseph's life and they understood it's not Joseph that I have to answer to if I don't listen to Joseph the one I've got to answer to is really Pharaoh and so when they would see Joseph they would see everything that Pharaoh had in his kingdom they saw all the chariots of iron they saw all of the horses they saw all of the spears they saw all of the swords they saw all of everything he had in his arsenal when Joseph stood and said do this in the name of Pharaoh the people said I must execute on behalf of the one that has the name of the king because if you have the name of the king when you speak you're speaking on behalf of the kingdom and it is now the kingdom's responsibility to carry out on behalf of the king can I preach to you today when you were baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost the Bible says he brought you up to seat you in heavenly places because you're in Christ and if you're in Christ when you say in the name of Jesus be healed cancer doesn't see you cancer sees the one that has all authority it sees the one that has all dominion it sees the one that oh I feel like preaching Mm, okay how am I gonna I need my coat I gotta make this super plain I need somebody smaller than my than me come on buddy Come help me. You, right here. What's your name again? Eli. That's a strong name. Watch this. So Romans says that you are to put on Christ Jesus. I'm fixing. So if you read that in the NIV, stay with me, Eli. I know I walk around a lot, but you got to be my shadow right now. Are we good? 
All right, you're going to follow me around. But in the NIV, it says that you are to wear Christ as a garment. All right, so you've got to understand. My man is doing it. You've got to understand that the Bible says that you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when you, there's a reason that in John chapter 14, he said that you would be in him and that I would be in you. He said not another would come, but I will come unto you. He was talking to Philip and said, Philip, when you get this feeling that your friend Jesus is in the room, but you can't physically see him, know that the comforter has come. And when you're filled with the spirit of the comforter I am now in you Philip that's why the corn of wheat has to die because except the corn of wheat dies it cannot produce multiple fruit as long as Jesus was living he could not be multiplied but the moment that Jesus died and rose again he could release the comforter and the multiplication of the kingdom could take place friend you're not Billy Sue and you're not Mary Joe. You are Mary Joe Jesus. You are Billy Joe. My God have mercy. And so, Eli, the Bible says that you are to put on Christ as a garment. And so this is what we are supposed to do every day of our lives. You are to enter into your prayer closet. I don't find it funny that Jesus said, enter into your closet. And then the apostle Paul said, you should put on Christ as a garment. Because when you step into that place of prayer and you die out to your will and you die out to your motive, you don't come out as yourself. You come out as an ambassador of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You step out and hell says, I just see Jesus. I just see Jesus. And so, Eli, when you go into your place of prayer, you put on Jesus. Now, here's the issue of the hour. How many here know that when it's cold outside, you probably don't need to wear wind pants and a t-shirt. Why? It's cold, so you're going to be cold, right? All right, so let me ask you this. When it's 100 degrees outside, I don't know if y'all have humidity here like we do in Florida, and 85% humidity making the heat index 115, I'm not wearing my parka, my beanie, and my hunting boots outside. Why? It's too hot. So we know how to dress appropriately for the natural elements. But what about spiritual wickedness in high places? What about rulers of darkness? What about the demonic forces out in the world? You see, when you don't take the time every day of your life and die out to yourself, you are walking out against elements that you are not properly equipped to face. But when you spend a little time with Jesus, when you, my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost, you enter into that closet of prayer. You enter into that quiet place and you say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done God I can't make it on my own I've tried it all and it all failed me I try to live holy but I can't do it I've tried to live righteous but I can't do it what you do in that moment Eli is you put on Jesus and when you walk out into spiritual wickedness in high places when you walk out into rulers of darkness and the enemies that are after your soul and hear me friend they're after you the moment you step out of that prayer closet they don't see Eli they see what Eli is robed in I like the old song, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He'll hear our faintest cry. He'll answer pie and pie. Can I tell you, when you get alone with Jesus, walk with me, Eli. He's going to go with you. And when you step into principalities and powers, and there's things that you can't face on your own, they just see Jesus. And when they see Jesus, they see the one that had all power. He come up out of hell making a triumphant victory procession you know what Jesus did when he came out of hell when he came out of hell Eli the Bible says he made a victorious triumphant victory procession 
Now, this is Roman lingo. Because when Rome would defeat another kingdom, you look good. When Rome would defeat another kingdom, Rome would make a triumphant procession when they came back into their home country. We got the victory over those people. We got the authority over those people. They now operate according to Rome. They, and the Bible says that he spoiled all principalities. Stop. That's not some principalities. That's not one or two principalities. That's not a few principalities. The Bible is clear. He spoiled every single principality. He spoiled the principality of West Virginia when there was no West Virginia. He spoiled the principality of all. It doesn't. He spoiled your principality, the one that has ruled your family, the drugs that have ruled your daddy and your granddaddy and your great. They can't rule you anymore because he got victory over them that he didn't just spoil all principality but he spoiled all powers too every power that would work against you every single thing that would try to come again he spoiled the power of nicotine addiction he spoiled the power of alcoholism he spoiled the power of depression he spoiled the power of anxiety he spoiled the power of cancer he spoiled the power of sugar diabetes he spoiled the power of high blood pressure and low blood pressure he spoiled the power of heart disease he spoiled not some powers you ought to be shouting right now I'm sorry I don't mean to push you and get a little but everybody in this room ought to realize when you were baptized in the name of Jesus every single principality every single power every single ruler of darkness and if you really believed it you'd know when you begin to shout everything is under your feet Thank you, buddy. Can I have my coat back? Not some rulers of darkness. All rulers of darkness. You think God is scratching his head? at what's going on in our world right now? You think he's worried at the pull between the house right now? Is it going to go blue or is it going to go red? Who's going to get it? How is it going to happen? Where's Pennsylvania going to swing? How is it going to... Well, what happens if they still have the majority? Is America... You think God's worried about that right now? He ain't worried about whether it's blue, red, black, purple, yellow. He could care less. You know what he's worried about? I've got a people right here in Glen Ferris, West Virginia, and if they ever get a revelation of who I am and they ever get a revelation of who they are, you've got all power because you've got Jesus. You've got all authority because you've got Jesus. You've got all dominion because you've got Jesus. You ought to stand to your feet and if you believe what I'm preaching, you ought to begin to magnify. You ought to begin to proclaim. You ought to begin to worship and profess the name that is above every other name. Come on, come on, come on. Be seated just for a few more minutes. Now listen, when you get the name of a king, you get to operate in the kingdom authority. Okay. Esther 8 and 8. Write ye also for the Jews as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. Now you've got to think about that for just a minute. When you write on behalf of the king. Now this is the king. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I believe it's Ahasuerus. When this king gives Esther this authority. He's telling her. Whatever you see fit for the kingdom in the moment. When you write it down. You put my name upon it. And when my name is upon it. There is nothing in the domain of my kingdom. That can reveal verse that which is written in my name so you've got to take that and now apply it to you and I if we really believe Jesus is who he said he is 
when you were baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be healed you are speaking on behalf of the king and you are sealing it with the king's ring and when you put the name of the king in this kingdom down there is no bit of flesh that can reverse it there is no devil in or out of hell that can reverse it because you're not writing on your behalf you're not declaring on your behalf you're declaring on the behalf of the name that is above every other name and that name is so you look at the name all throughout the Old Testament, the name, if you look at the name of throughout the Old Testament, anywhere the word name is mentioned, it comes from the original word Shem. Now, Shem is the son of Noah. Noah has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem is the one of which the lineage of Jesus comes through. Shem is the one that I believe is the great, great, great grandfather of of Abram. Abram becomes the father of the faithful. So Shem, his name literally means name. And anywhere you see the name name, you see Shem. Now when you see Shem, you have to understand that it means a reputation or fame of what once was glorious. So when you see the name of Darius, the king that was over Daniel in that time, you see that he was always going to become a relic to what he used to be. Every single time in the Old Testament the word name is used it is Shem. It is used 865 times. Now even when you go all the way to the last book of the Old Testament and the last chapter of the Old Testament and you see the word name, you see that it is going to be a fame or reputation or glory to what once was but when you open to Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 21 and you see that and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins now any other time until the first mention in the New Testament you are now in Greek in Greek it means the anoma. Can I tell you what the anoma means before the name of Jesus? It does not mean that it is going to become a reputation to what once was. When you see the name of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, it means that it is the all-encompassing advantage. Now why is that important? Because when you get to the name of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, the very first mention of Jesus' name, you do not get a reputation to what was going to be glorious or what was going to fade. You get the advantage over everything that will ever be, that can ever rise up. Friend, when you were baptized in the name of Jesus, you took the advantage over everything. I'm sorry, maybe I preached a little too long tonight, but apparently you aren't as excited about Jesus as I am. Because when I got the name of Jesus, I got the advantage over my adversary. I got the all-encompassing advantage over my enemy. I've got it all. Somebody worship him right now. Worship him right now. My, my, my. Now, stay standing. I think I gave you John chapter 15, verse number 16. Can you put that up for me? John 15, 16. So when you're baptized in the name of Jesus and you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you get the advantage that is above everything. It's an all-encompassing advantage. And so when you speak the name of Jesus, you are not just declaring another name, but you're declaring the name of which takes authority over everything. The name. The name. 
And so when you get to John chapter 15 and verse number 16, let's read it together. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name. Now, thank you all for reading that with me. But I heard about 90% imply that when he said he may give it you, you put a to you in there. That's not what the book says. He gives it to you when you receive the Holy Ghost. He gives it to you when you're baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, when you ask of the Father, he says, let me show you my answer. Because when you see Brother Matthew, you are not seeing Brother Matthew. You are seeing the ambassador that heaven has chosen for this hour. And just as Joseph could declare on behalf of Pharaoh, so too, as you are an ambassador, according to the Apostle Paul, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ, which means that you can operate for the authority of the kingdom of which you have been sent. When somebody says, I have a need, you can say, I have Jesus. And friends, me nor you is really the answer. The Jesus that we were baptized in, the Jesus that fills us, that's the answer. And so when Brother Matt lays his hand on your head, he is an oracle of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're the answer to this city. You're the answer to your job. You're the answer to what's going on in this world. It just needs you it needs you come on you ought to shout right now you ought to praise God right now you ought to worship come on come on come on come on my lord come on don't stop come on don't stop don't stop don't stop I'm done I'm done. Come on, worship the name right now. Step out in boldness right now and profess the name of Jesus. If you are physically able, I want you to make your way to this altar right now. If you're physically capable, make your way to this altar. Come worshiping and praising God. Don't come silently. Come with your hands lifted. Come with your voice lifted. Come just worshiping and praising right now. Come on, praise him on your way to this altar. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Let's just praise him for just a moment. Come on, let's praise. Come on, give him the praise of your lips. Give him the voice of your lips. Thank you. Come on, that's it. Beautiful. Keep coming. Keep coming. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, may I have your attention for just a second. Just a second. If you're here and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, tonight's your night. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. It's the only way to get you into covenant. If you're here and you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost tonight. It is the answer to everything you've been searching for. The Holy Ghost is the answer to it all. To it all. If you're in this room and you have a need in your body, sickness, sister, I, I felt the Holy Ghost when we were praying for your niece. Is that right? We prayed for your niece. I felt such a witness of the Spirit of God. I believe with everything within me that the moment that that little onesie comes in contact, that in the name of Jesus, everything's going to be all right. I believe it. You've got faith. I've got faith. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. I believe it with you. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you. So this is what I want to know. If you're in this altar and you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we're going to pray in just a minute and God's going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
If you're in this altar and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity. The water is ready. We are going to baptize you tonight in the name of Jesus because we want to give you the advantage over your struggle. You want to know why we all get excited when we start preaching about the name of Jesus? It's because we all had a struggle one day too. But then we had an encounter with the water. And nothing can live beyond the waters of baptism. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. If you need a physical miracle in your body, the advantage over it all is in this room right now. So if you're in this altar and you're one of the three categories that I just talked about, you need to be baptized, you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, or you need a miracle in your body. Would you lift your hand right now? Would you do that with me? You need a miracle. You want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to be baptized. You need a notable miracle. Lift your hand and leave it lifted. You need a miracle in your body. Nobody here needs a miracle in their body. Wow. We got some folks back there that need a miracle. Thank you, Jesus. We got a gentleman over here that needs a miracle. We've got a sister right here that needs a miracle in their body. All right. This is what I want us to do. If you believe and have faith for what I've been preaching, I want you to find somebody with their hand up right now. I want you to go to them. Go to them where they're at. Go to where they're at right now. Somebody. It doesn't, you don't even have to be a preacher to do this. I just need you to believe what I've been preaching tonight. Thank you. Thank you. There's some folks in the back that need prayer. My gentleman uh, in the back still has his hand up. Would you go to him back there? The gray shirt. Thank you. Thank you. Let's move. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this is what you're about to do. You're not going to pray with timidity and you're not going to pray with fear. You're going to pray because you've got the advantage, friend. And when you pray right now, you're going to speak the all-encompassing advantage over that need. And when you speak it over that need, it's going to happen. Do you believe that? All right. I want every hand lifted right now all across the house. I'm going to do what's called the word of faith. When I speak the word of faith and you hear hallelujah, I want everybody in this room to begin to praise God with everything you have within you. The moment I say hallelujah, I want those that are ready to pray for the person that has a need or needs the Holy Ghost. I want you to lay your hand on their head and I want you to speak with boldness and with authority. Right now, are you ready? If you're ready, shout amen upon the authority of the word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus that we have preached and proclaimed tonight right now I stand upon your word I stand upon your promise I stand upon your nature and who you are and who you are is a healer who you are is a redeemer who you are is a deliverer and if you've done it before you're going to do it again right now so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Christ, I command that you be healed in Jesus' name. I command that you be filled in Jesus' name. I command that you be delivered in Jesus' name. Now, everybody with me together, would you begin to praise the Lord? Hallelujah! Now, lay your hands on their head and speak faith. Come on, praise him in this house right now. Praise him in this house.